0: For Pacifica Radio, December 22nd, 2022, I'm Scott Horton. This is Anti-War Radio. All right, y'all, welcome to the show. It is Anti-War Radio. I'm your host, Scott Horton. I'm editorial director of Antiwar.com and editor of the new book, Hotter Than the Sun, Time to Abolish Nuclear Weapons. You can find my full interview archive, more than 5,800 of them now, going back to 2003, at scotthorton.org and at youtube.com slash show. And you can follow me on Twitter at show. All right, before we get into the interviews today, I want to tell you guys about this anti-war protest we're holding on February the 19th in Washington, D.C. I know that's on the other side of the country. From LA, But it's just a few hundred bucks away. And it's called Rage Against the War Machine. It's going to be at the Lincoln Memorial. And the thing is hosted by the Libertarian Party and the People's Party in Alliance. I'm speaking there. So is Medea Benjamin and Jimmy Dore and a bunch of other great people. We're working on trying to get Roger Waters, I think, and others. So please come on out. Help make the thing a spectacle. Help make it matter it's rageagainstwar.com to find out more information rage against the war machine anti-war rally washington dc february the 19th rageagainstwar.com all right now our first guest on the show today is antiwar.com assistant editor connor freeman welcome to the show connor how are you doing sir
1: i'm doing great scott how are you
0: i'm doing great really appreciate you joining us on the show here today we got some really important stuff to talk about. Your latest piece is called Washington Erases Red Lines, Escalates Proxy War with Russia. Now, of course, last night, Vladimir Zelensky came and gave a speech to Congress asking for more money and more weapons. And I think the context here, Connor, correct me if I'm wrong, is that the Russians have been reported to be building up a major force on their side of the border there for an upcoming winter offensive which I guess could come at any time and um, I'm not sure if you saw that article in The Economist an interview with the head of Ukraine's military who was not talking so much about defeating Russia as much as about his desperate need for more weapons in order to fend off that imminent invasion and now in your piece Uh, Washington erases red lines, escalates proxy war with Russia. You're talking about these recent strikes that took place inside Russia that um, I take it the London Times gave credit to the Americans for giving the green light for Ukraine to proceed with attacks across the border.
1: Yeah, it appears that way. I mean, so these were these attacks, these drone strikes that were carried out on December 5th and 6th on three separate Russian airfields. I believe three Russian soldiers were killed, two nuclear-capable strategic bombers were damaged, and an oil uh, tanker was also damaged. And this was pretty unprecedented. I mean, Ukraine has carried out attacks, you know, in Russian territory throughout the war. There have been helicopter and drone and other attacks on, you know, civilian areas, residential areas, um, oil depots, villages. But much of these attacks have occurred closer to the border uh, with Ukraine, you know, the shared border. And there have been as well. I mean, there was an assassination outside Moscow where Kiev killed in this brutal car bomb assassination, uh, murdered uh, Daria Dugina, the daughter of Alexander Dugin. She's a political scientist and journalist and he's the Russian nationalist philosopher who's usually there's a lot of propaganda in the Western press about how he's Putin's brain and that's all bogus but that's besides the point they actually make the point in this article this U.S. defense for a uh, source talking to the Times of London who says yeah like he said that they have changed their calculus that they are giving a green light now to these attacks inside, deep inside Russian territory, and that they're now going to consider providing longer-range missiles, uh, rockets, and fighter bombers that were previously off the table, because they say, well, you know, the Russian Vladimir Putin hasn't launched a tactical nuclear, uh, he hasn't dropped a tactical nuke on Ukraine, and it's not like he's attacked a NATO member state. So I feel like we can just go ahead and just give them the green light to keep on doing this. And they're saying they, the quote is that they're going to provide them what I said, these other military equipment to have more, you know, intense strikes inside Russia, uh, just like this. And so one of the things that they actually say, uh, another thing that's ridiculous is they say, we don't tell them don't attack Crimea, don't attack Russia. That's their decision. The only thing we ask is that they abide by, international laws of war and the Geneva conventions and they go, we don't want them to carry out assassinations or, or, or attack families. And they've been compliant with that, but that's just a lie. You, the, uh, us intelligence, it spoke to the New York times uh, months back and said that, yeah, no Ukraine is responsible for this car bomb killing of Daria Degina. And what the real point of my article is that, you know, they, are just erasing this red line based on the fact that Putin hasn't used a nuke or attacked a NATO member yet. So we're going to go ahead and up the ante until what, until he actually does you know, it's it's completely uh, nonsensical. But on top of that, this week, actually on Sunday, there was more shelling in belogorod which has been attacked throughout the war by Ukrainian forces. One person was killed, I believe a contractor working on a poultry farm. Eight different uh, people were wounded uh, and the farm was damaged. And then the following day, the Russian defense ministry said that they had intercepted four anti-radar missiles, uh, which the U.S. has been providing. Uh, Ukraine, and these are the AGM, I think they're AGM-88 HARM uh, anti-radar missiles. Uh, something like that. And they they intercepted these. So there's going, I mean, just since this article and just since, obviously this is materializing and we're seeing more attacks on Russia as a result of this green light. And we're seeing other unprecedented steps as well, because the U.S. now you just met, you mentioned earlier Zelensky's trip to D.C. They've also announced now that they're going to bring in the Patriot missiles and they announced a, almost a $2 billion arms package Yesterday, it's a uh, billion dollars in the presidential drawdown authority. This is coming from U.S. stockpiles, and then another eight hundred and fifty million from the uh, Ukraine security defense initiative. And that's where the U.S. buys weapons from contractors to send to Ukraine. And you know, I was listening to uh, Dave Decamp's show, Anti War News, with Dave Decamp this morning, and he made an interesting point that the the Patriot missiles cost a billion dollars. And so I don't know if there's a discrepancy because of the the way the PDA works, but that you know that seems like they're fudging the numbers uh, if that's only 1.85 billion dollars. But on top of that, now they've announced that they're going to give. Ukraine uh, another $45 billion in this massive $1.7 trillion omnibus spending package that is going to be passed here before tomorrow to avoid a government shutdown. And that, of course, includes the $858 billion NDAA. But now we've spent well over $100 billion on this war already. I mean, this is dwarfing the Russian defense budget. And so, I mean, we are really, and, and, and what I was saying earlier about the attacking Russian territory... This policy, this, this, these devastating, I mean, they're sending the Patriot missiles as a way of saying, hey, we're going to help them out because look at all the bombing of the civilian infrastructure. But this is all a result of America's policy of encouraging Ukraine to attack Crimea. Uh, which of course Russia annexed in 2014. We've had the State Department and NATO leadership and Congress and Nancy Nancy Pelosi going to the Crimean platform uh, and and voicing support for this whole you know the the deoccupation of Crimea. And we have you know the White House encouraging all of this. Uh, and and these attacks on the Kerch Bridge, which connects Crimea to the Russian mainland, and these other attacks that have gone uh, on throughout the war inside Crimea, where they attack, you know, uh, airfields and ammunition depots and things like this. This, uh, and particularly the attack on the Kerch Bridge, is what uh, started. You know, it's what provoked Russia into launching this massive strategic bombing campaign against their civilian infrastructure, which has left millions and millions of Ukrainians uh, without heat, water and electricity in the freezing cold winter right now. Yeah. And uh, and this is being used, of course, just to justify further attacks on uh, these territories that Russia's annexed since the war began uh, or Crimea and now, of course, deep uh, into uh, the Russian mainland. And we're going to see more and more of this. And then they announce that they're giving them, you know, more than a tens of billions of dollars more in weapons. And then they go, and we'll give you a few tens of millions of dollars to help you repair your uh, power grid. I mean, it's just uh, reprehensible. Hang on, just one second. Hey, y'all! The audiobook of my book, Enough Already: Time
0: to End the War on Terrorism, is finally done. Yes, of course, read by me. It's available at Audible, Amazon, Apple Books and soon on Google Play and whatever other options there are out there. It's my history of America's war on terrorism, from 1979 through today. Give it a listen and see if you agree. It's time to just come home. Enough already. Time to end the war on terrorism. The audiobook. Hey guys, I've had a lot of great webmasters over the years, but the team at ExpandDesigns.com have by far been the most competent and reliable. Harley Abbott and his team have made great sites for the show and the Institute, and they keep them running well, suggesting and making improvements all along. Make a deal with expanddesigns.com for your new business or news site. They will take care of you. Use the promo code SCOTT and save $500. That's expanddesigns.com. Man, I wish I was in school so I could drop out and sign up for Tom Woods's Liberty Classroom instead. Tom has done such a great job on putting together a classical curriculum for everyone from junior high schoolers on up through the postgraduate level. And it's all very reasonably priced. Just make sure you click through from the link in the right margin at scotthorton.org. Tom Woods' Liberty Classroom. Real history, real economics, real education. All right, we're talking with Connor Freeman from antiwar.com. And now, you know, the point here, I, I notice a lot of people... Out on the internet, really get this wrong about, you know, geez, how could America tell the Ukrainians what to do in this war at all? And the thing is, if we didn't have anything to do with it, then we wouldn't have anything to do with it. But the fact is, as the New York Times has quoted administration officials admitting all along, America's a co belligerent in this war. This American weapons. So, Obviously, it was just Ukraine versus Russia. Of course, they're free to attack inside Russia all they want. If they think it's a good idea, whether it's going to achieve their goals or whether it's going to backfire or whatever, that would simply just be up to them. But instead, the question is whether we provoke a war between Russia and NATO, which would result in the death of a World War II worth of people in the first 30 or 45 minutes of the thing. And that's what we're talking about here. And but they act like I and I want to go back to this quote, because this is really important. You quote out of the London Times where they say, well, look, maybe, you know, we were hesitant to help Ukraine attack the Crimean Peninsula and kind of figure that ship had sailed. Right. Or attack inside Russia's borders. Never mind the newly annexed territories, but inside Russia's borders as of last January. And they haven't nuked us yet. So maybe it's OK to keep going. And that's the thinking here. It, it doesn't go much deeper than that. It doesn't sound like, Connor.
1: No, it's so callous. They actually say in there, because, you know, his, the, the Russian revenge attacks over these attacks inside Russia, they've been really constricted to these conventional bombings of civilian targets in Ukraine. So, you no, know, that's we not just that escalate. bad then, yeah. No, no, not at all. Right. And <laughs> now, look, I want to go back
0: to this Washington Post piece from February, or maybe it was March, where the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff Uh, General Mark Milley says, listen, rule number two on my strategic goals here is to keep the war geographically limited to Ukraine. And now here we are mission creeping a few months later and eh, maybe we'll just keep hitting targets deeper and deeper inside Russia. Nuclear-capable heavy bombers? Sure, why not? What else to put on the list? You know, they went after Dugan's daughter with a car bomb, or went after Dugan with a car bomb. Maybe they'll go after Putin with a car bomb. We're going to support that? We're risking losing all of our major cities over this? Uh, Pretty pretty important, you know, to to bring this stuff out where people could talk about it, because all you get On most of Twitter and most of TV is just our government's point of view, which is everything here is
1: fine yeah absolutely and then if you read the new york times the other thing too is there was this piece where they're just talking speaking of the callousness i mean they were actually they put out a piece talking about how ukraine is this great testing ground for weapons and boy isn't this beneficial for us as we fine-tune our weapon systems and our uh you know our tech for you know future wars especially with china over taiwan something like that this is really good and they were actually praising the uh innovation of using these like remote drone boats to attack the Russian Black Sea Fleet and they talk about a specific attack that occurred in October which nearly jeopardized the entire um grain export deal that was brokered by uh, the Turks and the UN between Russia and Ukraine which has helped to mitigate the global food crisis especially in the in the uh in the global South. Uh, which has been ravaging populations. And they could have completely ruined all of that and starved so many more people in this horrible situation. But they, they look at it as like a real plus. Like, yeah, we really did some damage here on the Black Sea Fleet. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's the other thing, too, is like if you look at the NDAA, they're talking about getting these uh, wartime purchasing uh, powers for the Pentagon so they can offer these no-bid multi-year contracts. And it's all just benefiting Raytheon and Lockheed. And they're talking about how they're going to be, you know, Really escalating the production of the javelin anti-tank missiles, the harpoon anti-ship missiles, the stingers, the HIMARS, and uh, the 155 millimeter artillery rounds, which are supposedly were uh, uncomfortably low, as, as the Wall Street Journal said, with the Pentagon, and uh, th- th- they're reporting that we're just running out. But they're going to, they want to uh, triple and then double the production of all these different artillery rounds. And there's like tens and tens of thousands of these things in the new weapons package listed. And look, uh, I mean, this
0: stuff is not just beside the point, as Katie Johnstone pointed out when they held a big celebration, uh, celebrating the anniversary of the Ukrainian military's founding at the embassy in Washington last week. It was literally sponsored by Raytheon, Lockheed and Northrop Grumman. They don't even know to be embarrassed. It's like when you fly into Reagan Airport. There's a giant Lockheed building all lit up right there. Welcome to the Imperial Center. And now listen, last subject real quick here before we go. It's very important. The Washington Post wrote up a new piece about what the CIA believes about the sabotage of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Tell us real quick, Connor, what's going on there.
1: Yes. Yeah, so this is after months of investigations into uh, the attack and they interviewed 23 diplomats and intelligence of, uh, officials from nine different countries who were saying that there's just no evidence that Russia carried out the attack. And there's one European official who I think speaking for all of us goes, you know, the narrative really never made much sense. And so they're not they're saying that they don't know, you know, that the investigation is ongoing, Denmark and Sweden are still investigating it, but they're saying that the you know there were muni- there were explosives placed on the outside of the pipelines. Of course we know that Antony Blinken was celebrating the thing talking about how this is a tremendous opportunity for us to finally wean Europe off of Russian gas. And I, if I remember correctly, he said this is a str- this will provide us a strategic advantage for years to come. And uh we had uh, Radek Sikorski, the former Polish foreign minister who came out and just said, thank you, USA, on Twitter as soon as the thing happened, posted a picture as soon as the attack happened.
0: And that's Ann Applebaum's husband, right?
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. And former Polish foreign minister. He's a member of the European Parliament. Um, And And leader of the
0: American War Party. All right, listen, I'm sorry, Connor, we got to go, but that's so important. And I appreciate you, you know, touching that base because people need to know. But that's it. We're out of time. I got to go to our next guest. But thank you for your time, everybody. It's Connor Freeman assistant editor at antiwar.com. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. And that's it for Antiwar Radio for today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Scott Horton. Find the full archive at scotthorton.org. And I'm here every Thursday from 2.30 to 3 on KPFK, 90.7 FM in LA. See you next week.